Hi friends. Just a quick note, there are mentions of domestic violence and sexual abuse in this episode. We don't go into detail, but feel free to skip if that would be better for you. All right, hope y'all enjoy. Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Okay, so Sam, have you ever seen Fried Green Tomatoes? I thought I had seen the film, and then I was talking about it recently and realized I have just seen clips of it on on YouTube and, like, gay compilations. Oh, my gosh. I realized I don't remember um, any of the characters or what happens. Do you have any images from these YouTube compilations that come to mind? Oh, absolutely. I'm thinking of that one where they're, like, in the creek and— um, I remember it being really hot, but for, like, no particular reason. Dude, sounds about right. Is I that, mean, this movie's <laughs> hot. This movie's hot in many ways. Very hot. So, fried green tomatoes, or the tagline for this episode is, they're very, very good friends. Oh, God. They were is a lesbian cinematic classic. It cannot be disputed. However, as many things that came out in the 90s and before... It's very, very subtextual. So this is perfect for our first episode. Hell yeah. Um, I mean, and what we'll see here is like fried green tomatoes toes the line of gay, very gay, but not gay at all, mm-hmm. extremely well, almost applaudable um, for the filmmakers to like give so many winks and nods while also verbally saying, no, they're not lesbians. They're just friends. So I have a book right here. This is the book that inspired the movie. It's called Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. Um, and it's written by Fanny Flagg. Incredible as well. These names. Amazing drag name, right? Yes. Um, so Fanny Flagg herself is a lesbian. Good for her. So first strike in the this movie is totally straight. <laughs> Wait, was game. the movie directed by a woman or? No, the movie was not directed by a woman, of course. Classic, dude. But his last name's Abnet. He's fine. But um Digging into like the backstory of the film, I mean, of the book and kind of getting some context about that. So the book itself is also heralded by a lot of lesbians. It toes the line also. They never say the word lesbian. They never say the word gay, but they fall in love. They admit they're in love. Characters other than the two, uh, other than Iggy and Ruth say like, oh, it's a, it's a crush. Iggy has a crush on Ruth. And oh, Iggy's summer of love. Oh, that's so interesting. They're like canonically gay. I feel like it normalizes it in a way that gets washed out in the movie for sure a little bit though I mean what they're doing together is what couples do they are in a relationship you know you don't have to put a label slap a label on something to know what it is anyway Fanny Flagg also fun fact um has been in a relationship with many other out celebrity women including Rita Mae Brown who wrote Ruby Fruit Jungle oh Ruby no Fruit Jungle. way yeah so wow that's a lesbian So, some little context about the film. It came out in December 1991, which is when I came out of (laughs) my mom's womb. Um, It also came out the same year as Thelma and Louise. So, you can kind of see there's like a theme of like um, women buddy comedies coming out at this time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Thelma and Louise would be perfect for another episode because I also think that movie is extremely gay. Yeah. It's so it's so gay and not gay at all. It's yeah, incredible. exactly. <laughs> so the film flashes in between the uh, present day, which is late 1980s Alabama, and a storyline set in flashbacks in Depression-era Georgia. 
So our first character we meet in the present day is Kathy Bates, God bless her, who plays Evelyn Couch, a disempowered housewife trying to revive her marriage by getting skinny and striking back at young people who are putting her down in her life. This poor woman. She's, we're not going to talk a lot about Kathy Bates' character, Evelyn Couch, but she herself is, to me, worth watching the film. Is this before or after um, Misery? Like, was she already known? she already nommed. So okay. she's kind of coming off of her Academy Award win for Misery. So she's hot. Kathy Bates is hot. She's kind of, like, selling this movie. Okay. Like, she's one of the hot stars. So Kathy Bates' character goes to a nursing home to visit, like, her husband's granny who hates her. And she meets Ninny Threadgood, who's, like, this kind of, like, centric older lady. Great name. Um, right? Ninny Threadgood. Yeah. Hell yeah. And Ninny Threadgood is telling her stories about two women she knew in her youth, Iggy Threadgood and Ruth Jameson, who are the two lovers in question. The roommates. Okay. The roommates, yes. <laughs> um, so, flashing back to 1920s Alabama, so, like, post-World War One. Depression era, like deep south. Iggy and Ruth are two best friends. <laughs> I have quotes around that. It begins. It begins. Okay. Um, and they meet as young women. The story spans about 15 years of their friendship together, where they spend a summer falling in love. Iggy rescues Ruth from an abusive marriage to some man named Frank, who we hate. And essentially, the two of them U-Haul and open up a cafe called the Whistle Stop Cafe. Okay. And then a heavy part of the book also, I mean, I'm sorry, the movie also follows the disappearance and murder investigation of Ruth's asshole husband, Frank. Oh, it's like a goodbye Earl. Exactly. Sort of. Exactly. But do they kill him? I guess you'll tell me later. You will find out. And I guarantee the ending is not what you expected. (laughs) So going through the cast, Kathy Bates, obviously is playing our present-day housewife. We'll get into her a little bit. Uh, Jessica Tandy is playing her BFF in the nursing home. Great performances by both, but the two main people here that we are going to be talking about are the character of Iggy, played by Mary Stuart Masterson, and the character of Ruth, Mary Louise Parker. Yes. Okay, I thought she was in this. Okay. Okay, so you know Mary Louise Parker? Yeah, she was on Weeds. Okay, yes. Yes, she's hot in that as well. Universally hot. It's universally hot. She's amazing. She is a very captivating actress. So yeah, she was in a bunch of TV movies. She's great. We love her. Um, And then Mary Stuart Masterson, who I didn't think I knew, but actually I know very well, is in a bunch of great films, Some Kind of Wonderful, Benny and June. She plays June. Um, And then this crazy movie called Bad Girls that she stars alongside Drew Barrymore where they're like four like wild west like gunslinging women. What? How have I like, never heard of that? I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, it must be awful if I've never heard of it. Yeah. Or so good. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I Probably love both. a bad movie. <laughs> She's also directed one film and that film is Cake Eaters uh, starring Kristen Stewart. Oh, wow. So lots of gay stuff there. Yeah. I mean, some kind of wonderful. That's personally on my like uh, future list to watch and do for this pod because come on you're telling me this tomboy is in love with this boy i just oh, don't yeah. buy it yeah i just don't buy it yeah anyway. i don't think anybody bought that <laughs> yeah okay so it's a lesbian like like spider web i'm telling you the webs of homosexuality are just like a spinning around these two but yeah let's let's get into it let's, let's get, get into, into the story so 
let's meet our protagonist. I have some photos I would like to show to you. Um, so what makes this film work so well to me is the chemistry between the two actors, between Mary Louise Parker, who plays Ruth, and Mary Stuart Masterson, who plays Iggy. It's they sizzle, dude. I can't wait to show you some of the scenes from this film because I think if these two characters hadn't had such an intense chemistry and such a great like bond together and honestly such great sexual tension, I don't think this film would be the queer like icon that I I at least perceive it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're amazing together and they sizzle, dude. So even in the negative reviews who like in 1991 and, and even now, I got on Letterboxd, of course, and did a deep dive to see, like, what do people today think about this film? Even people who shit on this movie say, but damn, the chemistry of these two is undeniable. They are in love. <laughs> do you think that, like, as actors, they, like, took the actual text of this book to heart and probably got some direction that this wasn't, like, a gay movie and were still, like, remaining true to the actual text? I believe so heartily. Um, Not only because... um. Masterson has come out to kind of like say as much in mm. interviews being like, yeah, I mean, they were in love and we were playing it as so, but also because like the way it's written, I mean, we'll get into some things like you can't play that straight. It's just like these women felt something much more for each other for sure. So I'm going to pull up some photographs. Great. I just want you to like get into the like chemistry that these two have. So I'm going to show you some pictures of t- the two from the production. Wow. Okay, yeah. So I can kind of just describe what I'm seeing. So we have like Ruth um, laying on a picnic blanket and like Iggy just like gazing down into her and like the the vibe of this honestly looks like an oil painting. <laughs> like this, this is stunning. Um, they both look really happy. They both like look like they're so in love. For someone who hasn't seen this scene before, like if you just showed me this picture, I would say these people are clearly in love. Clearly. This is clearly a date. There's a picnic basket. They're eating pie. Like there's a chicken bone. Yeah. It's just a good southern date. Oh, wow. Okay. I just just thought the the fashion in this film was also really iconic. Yeah. Let me describe this one because it's – um, I think it really dates this as like a period – piece obviously like in the flashbacks but like I'm seeing both of these characters in these like one obviously more in like a, a masculine garb and then the other one in this like flowery sundress they almost look like they're going to church if I had to describe it as like a southern sort of look and they just look so like happy I'm afraid one of them dies Lizzie does one of them die all right next photo oh, God damn it. um oh wait that's I guess it's all my itchy and Ruth looks Okay, anyway, so you get the vibe. Mm-hmm. And also from these, you can kind of can you kind of get the like gender coding they're also putting on these characters? Oh yeah, I mean, it's just looking at these pictures as like standalone regular photographs of lesbians, like it's clear that this one is playing in this masculine role and um one is more feminine. I'm sure that like plays in the characters as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, Iggy's kind of also always wearing like ties and hats and Ruth's always in like flowing flowery dresses, which honestly, I like both looks. All right. So I'll kind of hop into both characters and talk about both and their backstory and all of that. So Iggy is kind of like the unmistakable butch character. Hell yeah. Anything this woman puts on her body, I would wear like 100%. 
More photos. Here, photos galore. This is one of her more iconic looks, but it's like kind of like shoulder length, blonde hair, thick gold chain, men's vest, white button up. Good Lord. She looks amazing. If I had to describe this photo, it would just be like um, thirst traps you see on lesbian TikTok. Thirst trap. This is like the short short hair, but like above the shoulders, not like like a super cropped. Um, hairstyle. We've got the Gorge. flowy shirts. We got the vest. Like so, so hot. She she's serving like Leo DiCaprio in Titanic. Definitely. And what year did Titanic came out? Because this kind of feels old. Ninety nine. Ninety seven. Fuck. So this was pre Titanic. So we could even say that Jimmy Cameron <laughs> like looked at Iggy Threadgood and was like, "This bitch." Yeah. Old Jimothy Cameron. Could you imagine? Oh my god, these two characters are basically. Oh yeah. Um, Rose and Leo. What's his real name? What's his name in the movie? Um, Jack. Jack. Yeah. Jack. I could I could see that. Right? But does one of these people die? Lizzie, I'm becoming nervous. Okay, so Iggy Threadgood. If we meet her as child. <laughs> okay, spoiler. We could not have a gay movie without one of them dying. It's so true. It is it's like so, even it's further proof that this yeah. is a gay film and the fact that one of them dies tragically. I think we should take a shot every time one of them dies or if they're ever alluded to being roommates. I have tequila. And we'll this, do it. This so when we get to that point in the film, <laughs> I'll let you know. We'll pour a shot. Okay. Okay. So when we meet Edgy, she's a little lad. Um, we meet her at a scene where her older sister is about to get married her sister, who's like the pretty one, um, she's like bemoaning. But mom, Iggy's going to ruin my wedding day with her tomboy appearance. She refuses to put on this dress, basically. She's like nine years old. Refuses to put on this dress. She puts on the dress. She feels horrible. Her little brother makes fun of her. And so she bursts out of the house, like, feeling like shit. I mean, this spoke a lot to me because, I mean, I wasn't like a super girly girl when I was younger and I definitely got shit for like wearing my little brother's shorts and just my dad was constantly telling me like why can't you be like a cheerleader like wearing skirts and stuff and I would get in trouble for like not dressing up nice enough for the like school assembly or whatever it was and I felt that happens probably a lot for young people who are not only just coming into their sexuality period but Maybe discovering that their sexuality and their gender expression is not like the I'm a girl and I want to look pretty or I'm a boy and I want to wear like baseball shorts, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, especially in, since this is a period piece, like at that point, it's so incredibly binary. Like yeah. if you wear a shirt with buttons, like you're a man. And if you wear a yeah. dress, then you're a woman. So like this act of her having to present so feminine, like it's obviously like dysphoric, but also like it's an act of like hatred and like yeah. erasure. And totally. something I think a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. By the next time we see Iggy, she's of age, essentially. Um, she's always wearing overalls, ties. She's smoking, playing poker, playing baseball, uh, hopping on trains. Like, she never loses herself and, in fact, only becomes more and more herself as she gets older. And I think that's really cool. And you were right about saying this is a period piece and this is set in the 20s. How much more st- stringent were the social rules for young girls to wear all this girly shit when they didn't want to. So. I mean, it's incredibly hard to, to dress like that, I'm sure, at that time. So you're kind of taking a risk every time you go out. Exactly. And I think I even have a picture of what Iggy ends up wearing to the wedding, which I just live. 
Oh, my God. Okay. So this picture looks like a precious moments, like, baby cherub <laughs> in, like, um, like a puppet's outfit. Like, this is just, like, a tiny little suit with the, like, little collar. Oh, this is so cute. Uh, it looks like she's been crying, though. She's kind of been through it. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate that her family in the book, I mean, in the movie, let her wear this little suit. Yeah. Um. They're they're very encouraging. All right, so moving on to Ruth. So when we meet Ruth in the story, she's a little bit older than Iggy, about five years or so. She's got long brown hair, literally always wearing lipstick, often in like long, flowy floral dresses. She's absolutely gorgeous. Um, she has this beautiful smirk that she's always wearing on her face, like very Emma Watson with like the dark brows and like that little like smirk in her eye. It's mm -hmm. she's so enchanting. I literally love her. But um in the movie she's brought in to kind of like talk some sense into Iggy after Iggy goes wild when her brother is killed by a train while he's chasing Ruth's hat on the track. <gasps> no. Which to me I'm like, how does Iggy not get mad at Ruth for losing her damn hat? Why would you chase a hat? I don't know. He was being goofy. It was very like, oh, I'll go get it. Like, See. tromps down the train, his foot gets stuck, and then a train runs him over. It's it's awful. Basically, they strike up this friendship after Buddy dies because Ruth's mom's like, she needs someone that can connect with her. Can you talk some sense into her? And they, like, have a couple scenes where they're, like, hanging out and going train hopping. Oh, my God. It's giving Ammonite. Bitch. She's sad. Can it's you please, bad. like, have sex with her? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'll give you money to do it. Exactly. Um, anyway, so I have some pictures of lovely Ruth. So this is this is when we kind of first meet Ruth. Yeah, so I'm looking at a photo of Ruth. Uh, she looks like a ghost um, in that, like, lace nightgown sort of way. Uh, she does look beautiful. Yeah, we got the curls. She's, she's kind of got, like, a smart expression. Um, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to truffle with her. She's so pretty. And also the ghost thing is very foreshadowing. Does she die? All right, next photo. Okay, yeah, she's this. I, I couldn't get more femme in this photograph. She's like got a dress and apron, lipstick. She's holding like a pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel she's, like, who's that? Um, Norman Rockwell? Yes, 100%. It's, yeah, it's serving This that. movie really screams Norman Rockwell. Very like, oh, America is so perfect. We love the South. We love pie. Ruth is kind of like the stereotypical lipstick lesbian. She's very rarely recognized by reviewers who even will admit that this is a romance. It is mostly like, well, Iggy has a crush on Ruth. Does Ruth know? I think she kind of gets lost because she presents so feminine. But I think if you have a search image for gayness, you're like, bingo. Yeah. Yes, she's mm -hmm. gay. She's not fitting in. She's like doing all these things out of necessity. So they meet or re-meet now that Iggy's like of age, have this beautiful summer of love. Um, and there's a couple of iconic scenes during this summer of love honeymoon period that just like kill me. Um, okay, so one of these, Iggy sneaks Ruth out of the house on a Saturday in her brother's car and they go on a picnic. Um, your dad brother's car? No, no, no. A different brother. Okay. Or maybe the dead brother. I don't know. She steals a car. But. So basically, Iggy takes Ruth on a picnic. Um, she tells her she wants to show her this secret place and a secret she's never shared with anyone. Wow, so gay. Um, 
She takes her out, sits her under this beautiful tree, lays out the picnic, which is one of the uh, photos I showed you earlier. And she's like, hold on, I'll be right back. AG sneaks over to a stump about 30 feet away, and there's bees swarming all around, all around. She slowly inserts her hand into the tree trunk. The bees are, like, landing on her. It's buzzing. It's, like, the energy in the air is just insane. Ruth is, like, watching her with this, like, part in her mouth. And AG, like, withdraws her hand, dripping in honey, pulls out a honeycomb. No. Puts it in a jar, brings it over to Ruth. It is the sexiest thing ever. Are you kidding me? Just the amount of like sexual imagery in that alone. And also like the feminine of like we have the bees, you know, and You're right. and honey, which is also very sexual. And then we have like the insertion of her full fucking arm. Like it's just a bit much. You Okay. There's no way they put that in the movie and said these people weren't lesbians. Is that in the movie? That's in the movie. Oh my God. That's in the movie. And it gets even better. She offers the honeycomb to Ruth, who sticks, like, two fingers into the jar, pulls out some honey, and, like, slowly licks them off. I'm like, y'all, this is the gayest thing I've this ever seen. Porn. Like, that, this is porn. That's how it's like porn. porn. Um, it's amazing. And also, fun fact, they had a real hive of honey. And Masterson, who played Iggy, like, was like, I'm going to do this stunt myself. Let's go. She went up to that, like, thousands of bees, and they're covered her. I have a picture. It's amazing. I was wow. like, this bitch is badass. Wow. Yeah. So this is just, like, a photo showing her. She's got, like, her dungarees, like, rolled up, looking really hot. And, like, oh, yeah, her arms are just covered in these, like, bees. Wow. She looks beautiful. I mean, this this looks, like, kind of fake. It's very, like, I don't know if you've seen Pride and Prejudice. But it's like that scene where Mr. Darcy's like walking across the valley coming towards Kira Knightley. And it's like a straight like two minute shot of him just like walking from wide shot to approaching her in a close up. Uh-huh. And it's so sexual. Yeah. When you like, can't this place slow it. approach. Yeah. That's when you know that the director's doing a very good job because that's that's how it feels to be in love with somebody or, or to feel like it like a crush or infatuation yeah. is when they could like sharpen a pencil and you're like, oh my God, this is so hot. You're in <laughs> awe of them. Yeah. And Ruth is like in awe that this is happening. She's yeah. like, I can't believe you risked your life. And she calls her the bee charmer. Okay. Just to be clear, this is way more impressive than sharpening a pencil or Mr. Darcy <laughs> just walking 20 yards. <laughs> Literally like a man walks. We're like, oh my God, most romantic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Actually, no, I can't even dog that movie. It's perfect. Um, Yeah. It's, I love this scene so much. So another scene that's super infamous and super beautiful is the scene that you remember where Ruth and Iggy go skinny dipping. That I remember that scene just feeling very like call me by your name like it's almost not happening in like a real like a reality. Yeah, like a, it's like a stupor. It's like Midsummer Night's Dream like very hazy and beautiful. Yeah, exactly like a dream. Well, I think like in the context of when this is happening, I bet this is the first time definitely that Ruth has ever gone skinny dipping. And definitely, probably that Iggy's ever gone skinny dipping with another person. I mean, she's been most of her tomboy days like running around the country by herself, fishing and whatnot. Like, they're like building this relationship that is probably for each of them one of their first close romantic relationships. So, I mean, those like big firsts during your summer of love, like the first time you see someone essentially naked. I mean, they're wearing nightgowns and their mm-hmm. shirts, but it's they're soaking wet. I mean, that's such a charged moment for anyone who's yeah learning their body but also with that much yeah like regarding like a full human form 
like as like not a child any longer. Like I'm sure even if they weren't into each other, that would be like a very charged moment. Yeah. Honestly, you and I can go skinny dipping right now and it'd be pretty charged. Not in the water around here. <laughs> I'm, not going, I'm not stepping foot in that water. I, if I could for like a second, I don't know if you've ever seen Now and Then. No. It follows. It's kind of, it does a flashbacky thing, but it like presents you with like these five women and, and it goes back into their like childhood summer of um, adolescence or whatever. Um, but one character that really reminds me of... Um, Iggy? Yes, Iggy is um, Christina Ricci's character who she like, she's raised with a bunch of boys and they show her getting ready in the morning. Like she, she shares the bathroom with like six other boys and they just show her, there's like banging on the door and they show her taping her breast down with wow. duct tape. And um, she spends like the rest of this movie in like a real like sense of aggression and like yeah. a real loss of identity. And I feel like there's something super gay there that of course they just rolled right over with like a, romance with this like shitty guy but she's really reminding me of, of this character yeah man these like these moments in these characters whenever you're so starved for representation becomes so important like how many times have you watched i mean there's i'm sure there's so many movies where you like fast forward to that one scene and you oh, watch yeah. it again and again and again because it's like i recognize this person i see myself or i see my friends or i see someone that i am in love with or mm-hmm. represented and that's so cool mm-hmm and this is definitely one of them. There's a lot to fast forward to here. <laughs> so I would love to show you this scene. Because um, this is also where I stopped reading in the book because it gets sadder after this. It's okay. It's okay. We've, we've all done that, I think. <laughs> oh, Izzy, what's your mother going to say when she sees us both drunk? About to say, she's drunk. <laughs> you gotta stop worrying about what people think. I mean, you've always done the right thing. You took care of your daddy, the preacher, when he took sick. You take care of all the kids over to church school. You're gonna take care of your mama. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I'm gonna marry the man I'm supposed to. You getting married? Oh, as soon as the summer's over. <gasps> uh. Oh, am I going to miss you? Okay, I have so many things to say. Um, First off, this is the least important, but it is so difficult to play drunk. It is Mm. done so regularly and so poorly. Um, (laughs) Not saying she did a great job, but she didn't do a terrible job of playing drunk. Um, That's neither here nor there. I think that this scene is so heartbreaking because it's, so beautiful and it's such a happy moment and then you know you hear the person that you're in love with saying that they're getting married and you're living in the society where they're you've never had you've never even had representation of a conversation happening where you could be like but I love you or like you know there is no there's like a helplessness like unrequited love obviously but like an anger I think being gay and, and growing up and not having words for why you feel a certain way about your friends, you you have these conversations a lot where you like leave being like, why do I care so much? Like, why does this hurt me so badly? They're just my friend. And like this instinct to want to protect them or or this like almost hatred for this man that they're marrying because they're not you, but you just think it's because they're not good enough for your friend. It's just so sad to watch. It's so heartbreaking. It's actually the perfect segue. I want to 
this is the only time I'll really bring in the book, um, other than mentioning some inconsistencies or, or differences in the book. But I thought the book did such a good job of describing all the feelings that you just talked about, the frustration, the anger that are basically unnamed mm-hmm. because you have no way to like, qu- like pinpoint your relationship necessarily. Like saying heartbreak is probably not where you're going to come to. I would love for you, if you can, to read a portion of the book for me. This is the book's equivalent to the scene where they're skinny dipping and we hear that Ruth's getting married. Um, In the book, Iggy finds out Ruth is getting married and she, like, loses her shit. She locks herself in her room, will not come out, and is, like, basically throwing all of her possessions around in a rage. And uh, Ruth knocks on the door and Iggy lets her in. Why are you going to marry that man? I told you why. Why? Because I want to, that's why. You don't love him. Yes, I do. Oh, no, you don't. You love me. Iggy, I love him, and I'm going to marry him. Then Iggy went really crazy and started crying and screaming in a rage. You're a liar, and I hate you. And I hope you die. I don't ever want to see you again as long as I live. I hate you. Ruth took her by the shoulder and shook her as hard as she could. Tears were streaming down Iggy's face as she kept yelling, I hate you. I hope you rot in hell. Ruth said, stop it. Do you hear me? And before she knew what happened, she had slapped Iggy across the face with all her might. Iggy looked at Ruth, speechless and stunned, and they just stood there, looking at each other. And in that moment, Ruth wished more than anything in the world that she could just grab her and hold her as tight as she could. But if she had, she knew she would never let go. So Ruth did the hardest thing she has ever done in her life. She just turned around and left and closed the door behind her. I literally have goosebumps. I got chills. It's just so, I mean, it's a great show of how the book is just so much more in your face and honest about the emotions because at least it shows the emotions. You know, in the film version, we get like, Iggy's obviously like, wait, what? You're getting married? And she's a little in disbelief. Yeah. It seemed in that scene that like she had like a non-reaction to finding these like to finding this out. Yeah. And in the film, did they even have like any whole conversation about it? Or No, this is the only time. Basically, the next scene is Ruth's gone. Yeah. Ruth's married. Wow. It's over. So this scene in the book is so heartbreaking to me because of the amount of emotion of these two characters and the lack of dialogue they're able to have because they're not able to put into words exactly how they're feeling potentially. I mean, I'm not saying that like people in the 1920s couldn't have been like, I'm a woman, I love you, a woman, or whatever. But in this representation, at least, it's it's hard. I mean, it's your first love too. Like they don't have any any experience to go back on and there isn't models in their society of like a love like theirs and also they have no choice i mean ruth is i think she's lying here when she's like i do love him i'm gonna marry him i love him i think she's saying all this because it's the only thing she can say to convince herself to convince herself to try to break things clean off with iggy because there literally is no other choice she has to marry this man she needs the financial support it's what she's expected to do and Iggy's like raging against the machine, but they're both hurting. I mean, yeah, it's so it's just right there, black and white. Yeah. Anyway, 
All right, so Ruth leaves, gets married to Frank Bennett, who's a motherfucker. Earl had to die. Earl, this Earl needs to die. He's an alcoholic. He's a conniving snake. In the book, he repeatedly rapes Ruth, including on their wedding night. Jesus. And on top of that, motherfuckers in the KKK. No. Yes. Okay, this writer was like, not just fuck him, but he's going to hell. Character assassination. Character assassination. There's no coming back for this man. We do not like him. We're never supposed to like him. Fuck Frank Bennett. Oh, my God. So after a couple years of this, it sounds like, um, Ruth's mother – like okay, so basically the reason Ruth had to marry this guy is because her mother is sick and she needed a, a way to take care of her. So they move into Frank Bennett's house and use his money basically to take care of her mom. Once her mom passes um, and Iggy's guest kind of just pining over her, one day she gets a letter in the mail from Ruth. It's, I love this moment too. So Ruth sends the obituary for her mother and a page from the Bible, um, from the book of Ruth. Already so poetic. This is what the Bible verses say. Wherever thou goest, I will go. And wherever thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. It's this beautiful way for Ruth to call out to Iggy and say, like, come get me. Save me. I want to be with you. I want to live with you. Your people are my people. Where you go, I will go in her own way. And I just thought it was so beautiful. It's also from the book of Ruth. Okay, y'all, I grew up Christian. And (laughs) literally the book of Ruth was the only book in the Bible that I could tolerate because it was about a woman who basically saved her people, became queen, convinced her king husband to, like, save her people. It's amazing. It's a, oh, a woman so who, and then the book, I didn't even realize, but like Ruth, the character in the Bible, did what Ruth in this movie did. She sacrificed herself and committed herself to a marriage for the sake of her family. Wow, that is poetic. It's so beautiful. It's so gay to like, to send like this letter after years. I know I've done something similar with like my exes where it's been so fuck. I mean, obviously nothing as cool as this. I just want to be clear. But like you send this like, it's like a Gatsby, like the green light where you're just like, just check in. Like, yeah. are you still in love with me? Because I love you. It's beautifully coded, beautifully done. Iggy fucking hears her and immediately gets in the car with two men and goes to rescue Ruth. Hell yeah. Fuck yes. Let's go. Um, Do they kill him? A girl. It's, I can't even give you a yes or no on that. It's so much more complicated. Um, so when they rescue Ruth, she's pregnant. She gives birth to a son who they call Buddy after. Brother. Brother. Um, and they essentially raise him as their son. Gay, dude. I know. Like, I, I, I can't even begin with how they tried to market this as not being gay. I know. They tried and they failed. Um, they have a Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, make their own pickles. Yes. No, they definitely make their own pickles, for sure. So they open the Whistle Stop Cafe. It's a place known for great barbecue and for serving black people in the backyard. I will not touch a lot on how race is handled in the film, but it is abysmal at best. Um, Damn. There's, like, this white savior quality that comes in at this point and from here on out with Iggy and Ruth that, like, oh, they fraternize with black people. They have black friends. Like, how cool they are. Like, they let black people eat at their restaurant outside. Um, And, like, people in the town are like, you shouldn't do that. And they're like, we don't care. So it's a little, like, glorifying this, like, white 
greatness thing that I don't appreciate at all. And especially because none of the black characters have any sort of characterization or backstory or lives or lines. It w- I was going to say, because you're, you're talking about Earl, the husband, I forget his real name, probably Frank. something stupid, Frank. Um, and you're like, we know he's a bad person because he's in the KKK. And then we're flipping back to them and we know they're good people because they serve black people. And if there's no people of color with lines or like actually important characters, it just seems like a device at this point to be like, Frank bad, lesbians good. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Things were not how they are now. It's like this was the best that they could do in 1991 and is not good enough. (laughs) But we'll come back to that. I'll, I'll touch on this again later, but I just wanted to... Point that out. So, Whistle Stop Cafe. Um, a really beautiful thing that I found is the moment that Ruth leaves Frank, she kind of, like, emerges as herself a little bit more. And the very first time you see her after Iggy um, rescues her, basically, I just want you to look at her outfit. It's very important thematically, but also it's a really cute outfit. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this... This is the first time we've ever seen her in pants. Yes. <laughs> she's in pants and she's got this like, um, they're not just pants, excuse me. They're fucking overalls. Work. And they're matching. They've got these like overalls and these like white shirts. And she's got like a Rosie the Riveter sort of hairdo. Um, she looks fine. Yeah. She's like, doesn't she look so comfortable? They're in like these matching overalls. She's this like coming kind of into her own, you know? This is something that like you see people wearing today. Like yeah. this is iconic. I'm telling you, I would wear any of these outfits any day of the week for any occasion. Yeah, I really appreciated that, that she, like, it was a visual representation of her kind of, like, breaking free of wearing what society has been telling her to wear and just kind of being comfortable, being herself, being a mom, being a lover, being a friend, being a cafe owner. Yeah, it's, like, the most independent she's ever had in her life, and she's having it all at once. So, fuck it. She deserves pants with pockets. Absolutely. And the front will have pockets and the back will have pockets, too. Um, okay, and now we get to another one of my favorite scenes. I'm surprised you haven't run across this one in your YouTubing, but Is this it's when a they scene. have sex? Are they fingering each other? Yes, but Are they're having a food fight. <laughs> no. It's a food fight sex scene. Oh, yeah, that's a PG equivalent to, like, yes. actual sex. 100%. It is great. It's a, just a day in the cafe um, Ruth's trying to teach Iggy how to cook fried green tomatoes, which she keeps burning. And Ruth's teasing her, and Iggy's like, you know what? And just kind of like pours a little, like sprinkles her with water. And Ruth's like retaliates with chocolate. And before you know it, they're literally rolling around on the ga- ground, covered in chocolate and blackberries, giggling, squealing. It's so playful. It's a sex scene. I've got to say, you can tell where like a food fight is pointed. If they're throwing gross stuff like baked beans, like they are not having sex. But if they're throwing like whipped cream and like berries, like those people are fucking. Yes. Like the chocolate though. Yeah. That, those are oh my gosh. It's sex. so fun. And actually in the... um. What's it called? The Oh, in the director's commentary on the DVD, the director actually admits that this is a symbolic scene for lovemaking. So I'm like, Damn. I'm like, are they gay or are they not? Yeah. You're giving me mixed signals. Uh-huh. But they're gay. But like, stop giving me mixed signals. Yeah, just let them have sex. All right. And then after this, they live happily ever after. Who dies, Lizzie? <laughs> you fucking bitch. Which one of them, huh? <laughs> 
All right. Uh, just kidding. Frank stalks them on and off for a while. Frank's back. Earl's back from the dead. God damn it. Okay. So this is where we get into the murder mystery part of the story. Setting. Exterior. 1920s town. <laughs> the night of the town follies festival, where Iggy is literally in drag. Good for her. I'm going to show you this picture. God damn. Y'all, I'm going to put all these pictures in the show notes because they're just too good for y'all not to appreciate them. But Oh, yeah. This is this is the drag king right here. This is um, Iggy in a top hat. Um, I mean, honestly, dressed like how she normally dresses, but now there's a top hat. <laughs> like uh, a formal version. Yeah, and we see her with a drag queen um, uh, with like – He's a cop. He's, a, He's cop. a cop friend of theirs. Oh, okay. Wearing so, a dress. Yeah, so she's with a drag queen, and they look like they're having a great time. Yeah. Apparently, a Follies festival was like a way for the town to make money. This is like a, you know, a cultural thing in the South. I've never heard of them, but it's an excuse for Iggy Threadgood to put on a suit and for this cop friend to put on this hideous dress. Anyway, I just thought that was fun. Like, this bitch is literally in drag. Okay. So the night of the Town Follies Festival, Frank comes in to steal Buddy Jr., his baby. And as he's making off with the baby in the truck, we see him get hit in the head off screen. We don't know who did it. Um, in the following weeks, a dumbass detective from Georgia comes to investigate the murder because you cannot disappear a white guy in the 1920s without some Southern person. detectives. Yeah. Hell to pay. Oh, my God. He's such a... He's such a bad one. He gets what's coming, though. Um, apparently, the day that Iggy arrived to rescue Ruth from Frank's place, she said, if you ever touch her again, I'll kill you. That seems to be something that everyone remembers and is also enough to bring someone to court for murder. Jesus. Because that is exactly what happens. Um, when they find his truck, like, they pull it up his truck from the river uh, a couple years later, what I don't even know how long this goes on. Iggy's pressured to blame it on one of her black friends, Big George. God. And she's like, no, I will not let George take the fall. And so they go to court. Um, so. Like, that's not necessary. <sighs> Why did they put that in? That is know. so annoying. It really isn't necessary. If she's not going to go through with it, like. It's just another like weird virtue signaling thing again where it's just like she could have let yeah. this man wrongfully go to prison, but she's so good. She's literally an angel that she did it. It's like that's a no. decent thing to do. It's, it's like a pretty indecent for anyone to bring that up as an option. Yeah. Again, this like whole white saver thing that I'm just like. It's giving blah, me to blah, kill blah. a mockingbird. Yeah. Very, very to kill a mockingbird. Like the bar needs to be a little bit higher. Um, One sweet moment. That does happen in the midst of all of this is while they're at trial, Ruth is one of the um, what's it called when you like go up and witness. Kind of, she's a witness. Can she's I get a, a witness? She's a witness. Uh, Ruth's a witness, and the judge is like asking her like, "Why? How could you ever leave your husband and go with this woman? Like, what made you do that? Why? Why? Why?" And we just get closer and closer to her face, and she finally says, "She's the best friend I ever had, Ugh. and I love her, and I love her." Okay. And then they lock eyes. It's a great moment. That's uh, It's very sweet. What and else it, could it, she have said in a courtroom full of white people? Yeah, in the 1920s. You're so right. And as a child, this would have meant the world to me, having seen this. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, as an adult, I'm like, just say, just say it. Just say it. 
just say it. Just we want to hear it. And I can tell, like, just from what I've seen with the clips and um, through the photographs, these actors are clearly playing it, and they're just like obviously limited by the script. So yeah, I'm sure it came across definitely. But just fucking say it. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. She's the best roommate I've ever had. <laughs> She always do the dishes and massages my clit just the way I like. Exactly. Fucking dude. Fucking. If I was in the audience, I'd be like, they're fucking. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sure I should could have saw this as the fetus I was in December 1991 and been like, they're gay. Yeah, they're clearly gay. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, so the judge eventually is like, there's no reason that this woman and this black man should be charged for the murder of this other white man. I'm dropping all charges. He just got drunk and killed himself in the river. Works and everyone's like, yay. And I'm like, not realistic, but also yay. <laughs> well, they had no forensics back then. So they True. were like, he just it's like <laughs> saying you're going to kill someone is apparently enough to hold the murder that, yeah. trial. Exactly. Yeah, no. And I guess for poor Big George just being black, God bless him. Oh, no. Awful. Anyway, Sam, what do you think happened to Frank Bennett? What's your guess? I mean, I think Earl had to die. And I think if either of those girls sock it to him, get one for me too. Hit him again. <laughs> Bye, bitch. Put it in reverse. Go over him again. I am so not even a little bit interested as to what happened to him. I am just glad he is dead. I can guarantee that you're interested in what happened to him. <gasps> what happened to him? Is he a gay man? And he like, oh my God. That would be the only <laughs> twist of this that I would be interested in. I just in. like, you just gagged me. I literally went, <gasps> <laughs> no, sadly. What happened? Okay, so Big George's mother, Sipsy, she was watching the boy the night of the murder and chased Frank down, hit him in the head with a frying pan, and accidentally killed him. So to cover it up, Big George and Iggy barbecue him up and serve him <gasps> in the Todd? cafe. No. No. I'm not kidding. Cannibalism. Are you kidding? And people ate him. People ate him. The detective ate him. <gasps> that seems just like such a weird thing to happen. <laughs> like, like that seems like its own movie. <laughs> it's like the one theme. Like if you wrote down all the themes of this film, it's like friendship, companionship, abuse, cannibalism. Yeah, <laughs> that's like a weird. They also, they also could have just killed him. And not have eaten him? Yeah. Eaten him? Like, I live, honestly, for that plot point. I live. No, I'm gagged. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm thrilled. You're right. I did want to know because I could tell you that's uh, not what I expected. Yeah. And then they live happily ever after. Who dies? <laughs> <laughs> Which one of them dies? All right. Fine. Ruth gets cancer and dies a couple years later. Okay. Well, at least it was, like, natural causes and she wasn't, like, burned at the stake. No. No, she wasn't. I have to say, Sam, I really hope that everything we talk about today encourages you to go see this film because this scene, her death scene is, I literally wept. Like, I'm not saying, oh, I wept. No, like I was in my bed, like weeping because it was so beautifully done. So just go watch it. The way they shot it, what she said, it's just so well done. Oh, way wow. to go, way to go, actors. Amazing. I'll watch the film only to see them eat Earl. <laughs> and if I make it to the scene where she dies, then... All the better. <laughs> All the fucking better. All right, so that's basically the film. There's, like, 
a whole nother storyline where Kathy Bates is trying to like oh yeah come Kathy into Bates. her own. What She's her? lovely. She's amazing. Who is she? Oh, she's the. She's like hearing this story yeah, the whole I time. See. The notebook. She's like in the present. Exactly. Okay. She's fabulous. She does come into her own, by the way, through the help of a diet and hormone pills. We love the nineties. Um, she does have some really iconic moments. I'll just I'll just tell you one right now. You cannot surprise me after the cannibalism. Everything else is just a bonus. Okay, so um, in this scene, she's at the grocery store in her car trying to park. Um, she's waiting for a parking spot, and before she can pull into it, like two young hotties in like this red Volkswagen just zip in and take it from her, and she's like. Um, excuse me, I was taking that spot. And the hotties are like, face it, lady, we're younger and faster. And then they like high five each other. Oh my God, I love when we say that to people, Lizzie. Oh we my park. gosh. <laughs> face it, lady, we're younger and faster. Very well, realistic. Kathy Bates loses her mind and starts slamming her car and running it into their red Volkswagen <sighs> in this very like cackling, like amazing way. And then she has one of the best one-liners I've ever heard. Face it, girls, I'm older and I have more insurance. I would like to think that that scene wasn't originally in the movie and then the director saw Kathy Bates in Misery and was just like, <laughs> I need to see you get some aggression out of these people. Smash their car! Yeah, Smash absolutely. Smash their ankles! <laughs> no, that's incredible. Good for Kathy Bates. I totally forgot about her. Her storyline's really fun. Yeah, good, good. Really, really fun. So, I, of course, did a bunch of research into, well... What did the gays at the time think of this film? Mm-hmm. Did did it come across, or is it only our nuanced like perspective of now that sees gays everywhere? And the answer is no. Everyone saw that this <laughs> was gay. Um, and actually, it was awarded in 1991. It was awarded best feature with lesbian content by the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Glad. Oh, wow. This film was awarded Best Feature with Lesbian Content. So, Do they say what's the with lesbian content? Is it the food fight or um, <laughs> the bees? I don't know if it was the skinny dipping yeah. or the licking honey off each other's fingers that yeah. did it. Mm-hmm. But or the eating um, eating Earl. It must have been the eating Earl. Cannibal. Probably the gayest thing. lesbians or cannibals. <laughs> um, so a quote from the GLAAD executive director, Ellen Carton. Lesbians are invisible in Hollywood. Tomatoes filmmakers may have wanted to tone down the lesbian content. Too bad. Giving the award is a way for us to acknowledge that these are lesbians. Hell yeah. Bam. Dude, she said it. She said it. Did they get any, like, at the time or maybe even now, Did the has the director said anything? Like, has anyone ever questioned the decision? Like, was it a studio direction, like, to basically erase these people's identities? I would say, like, yes, a lot was said. They were asked point blank, both the actors and the director, and uh, Fanny Flagg, who is the writer of the book and also a co-writer of the screenplay, like, hey, did you write this film about lesbians? And um, director John Abnett says, you can take it however you want to. I had no interest in going into the bedroom. Um, The sexuality had no interest for me. It is what it is and whatever you wanted to think it is. What I wanted to deal with was the intimacy. I wanted two women who loved each other. Um... Sexuality okay. has so little to do with it. What? I. What is your response? Because I can unpack this. I am so. That is the most obtuse response I've ever heard. Like, yeah. 
I didn't want to deal with the fact they were gay. I just wanted to show them in love. And I didn't want to see them having sex. I just wanted to create all these scenes where they're basically having sex. Yeah. That is, um, it's unfortunate that, like, I think being a queer person, people who aren't familiar with the lifestyle just equate it to the way that you have sex. And it's it's sad to see that this guy was like, ew, gay sex is gross. I just wanted to show these people in love. And yes. it's like, you can't separate those two things, but it's also not who people are the way they have sex. Yeah. Homosexuals are, to me, I maybe less so now, but they're always labeled as like exclusively sexual beings. Like mm-hmm. a gay relationship is only about sex and not about any of the stuff that makes a relationship. Like opening a business, raising a family. Having fun together, being killing there for each other, <laughs> killing serving your him to detectives. None of those things are a relationship, just the sex, which yeah. they do not have. I think it's also bullshit that he's like, I didn't want to see them have sex. I didn't want to go in the bedroom. You served them, like you showed them serving up and cooking a man. Girl, girl. And also, you don't have to go into the bedroom to know what's happening. Like, I don't need to see fucking Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Gardner having sex on screen to know what's going on in 13 going on 30. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, you don't have to show anything explicit, but let them go into, let them walk into the bedroom. Good Lord. Was it ever like alluded to in the film that they had like separate rooms? Did they ever show their bedrooms? You never go into their house. You do know that they live under the same roof, roof, under the same roof. Sorry. (laughs) Cause I do think Iggy's the bottom. Um, (laughs) You know they live under the same roof. They live in, like, Iggy's family home together. Oh, like, Ruth moved in with them okay. once they rescued her from her delicious husband, Frank. Jesus. Um, and then, even more sadly, I would have thought for sure Fanny Flagg, the writer and screenwriter, who's also queer herself, would come out and speak to sexuality of these characters, but... When she was asked about it, she says, it's not a political film at all. It's about the possibilities of people being sweet and loving each other. Which was really sad to me. I was like, she's either resigned to the fact that she can't be gay and make a living making gay stories. Or she's being told by the studio that put $11 million into this film that saying that these women are gay is going to absolutely keep people away from the box office. Yeah, this that sounds like not an authentic answer, especially for the person who wrote and published and went through the steps of getting this to market. The, I'm referring to the book. Yeah. Like, that's not something you do absentmindedly or subconsciously. Like, that, those are concerted efforts. Yeah. And you're doing that to further this narrative of these people being in love and they're both women. And to say that, like, I don't want to get political with this movie – it it just it doesn't read true. That's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. And the movie does such a good job of never actually saying they are or aren't. They toe that line so well by if you're gay, you can see what you want. If you're not, you'll see what you want. And I mean, yeah, if someone if the audience wants to remain oblivious, they can and yeah. just think of this as like a buddy. Sure. Film. If you want to close your eyes for half of it just please do the film was nominated for two oscars in 1992 for best supporting actress for the woman who played ninny threadgood um jessica tandy and for best adapted screenplay which it lost to silence of the lambs that year so fair enough Tough competition if i could just say 
Um, Silence of the Lambs as a book is not fun to read, but as a movie is very entertaining to watch. You know, I've never read the book. I'm going to have to I can that. give it to you, but you won't enjoy it. <laughs> I'm sorry if there's any people who like that. <laughs> I personally like enjoy books that kind of torture me. I mean, this book, The Silence of the Lambs as a book, um, was just begging to be a movie. Like it, yeah. it reads like a, kind of like a screenplay. Really? Oh, I love that. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I kind of like cast books in my head while I'm reading them. Like, yeah. I'll assign actors that I like to the characters that are being played. So it's essentially a script. You might mind. like this book. I'll give it to you. Thank you. I'll take it. Uh, thank you so much for like running me through all of this. I, I'm i glad that it was successful. I'm glad that these actors and actresses, I should say, and, and Fanny got their bag. Um I wish it was more authentic to the story, but, yeah. you know, I'm a lesbian. I'll take what I can get, honestly. Yeah. This is pretty good. Like, I think this will be one of the more positive subtexts that we can find <laughs> yeah. moving forward. I mean, there's just so much. I mean, I just talked a blabbered on for an hour about how gay this movie is, and there's so much more I didn't even say. All right, so final bit. We rate this movie – on a scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. and then we label it subtextual or textual. Yeah. Do you want to do a, a overall rating of just as a standalone film, and then a second rating of how gay it is? Yes. And we can average the scores. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. Love it. Okay. So one to ten, what what would you give it? So I, on like just an overall scale, I'd give it a seven. I really enjoyed this movie, despite its like glaring racial um, yeah misnomers and other bullshit but as someone who i feel like i've just watched the movie um but haven't in its entirety i'm gonna give it a six and i reserve the right to come back and change that fair enough after i see them eat girl okay uh on a scale of one to ten how gay would you say this is ten okay like eleven i'm gonna say nine because Although it seems like they fuck, they don't fuck. Fair enough. For us they to see. just eat honey and chocolate and blackberries together smeared all over their body. But yeah. Okay. That gives us a combined overall score of eight and a half. I love being friends with Virgos. They can just like do math like that. <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty easy. Our scores were pretty close. So um, Cool. Yeah, that works out. Okay. And then subtextual or subtextual. So this was honestly a joy to research and watch. So much subtext. Yeah. yeah. Dripping in subtext. Absolutely. I would agree. I mean, it, the whole film was subtext. It was just overt text, I, I feel, at this point. Yeah. Um, but we didn't get to see them fuck. Hey, maybe you and I in like 20 years, once we're like established filmmakers, can redo this film and give it the sex scene that we all deserve. Absolutely. It's Let's just it's it. just an, a, a longer version of the food fight where they just like strip down and start having sex. Yeah, exactly. They're like, all right, we're closing early today. Yeah, Everyone no more get out. human meat. <laughs> this episode was produced and engineered by Lee Garcia. Your hosts are Lizzie Guitro and Sam De La Fuente. Editing by Lizzie. Join us next week for a discussion of Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan.